Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. First of all, we just want to check in with everyone and see how everyone's doing without Formula One in their lives. We've had a tough time, but thank God we had the World Cup to keep us going for a while. We're recording now on Monday morning, the day after the the final, and that was insane. So we definitely needed a little bit of that adrenaline boost back. Today, we'll be doing a little combined episode with all of the questions you guys have asked during the AMA Instagram box, and then we are going to be touching on the latest news, of which there is a lot, so we're very excited. With that, we'll jump right in. I'm Chessa. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Sarah. So we got a couple background questions and wanted to reintroduce ourselves for those of you who might not know us, so VJT7 asked, tell us more about you, who you are, how you all met, etc. So the three of us all live in New York City, and I met Tiggy. We were in the same dorm in high school, in boarding school, so we've been together for a long time. Like 10 years. Yeah, it's crazy. And Chessa and I met at Georgetown, and we lived together our senior year, and now we are all together in New York, which is so fun. And we're all 26 and 27. Yes. So then we got a couple questions. Joe, Kimberly, and where are you all located? Sarah just said, do we live together? Sadly not. Uh, this person also that would be said- so fun. Oh my gosh. If we <laughs> had like know. a three-bedroom apartment. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> she also said we sound like Californians, which I'm going to take that as a compliment. That's a I- huge compliment. <laughs> I am a Californian, but I'm curious what prompted that. <laughs> um and then F1 in focus said, are you all together when you record? Love your pods, XX. We are not all together when we record. Um, we do it remotely, which is beautiful because we don't live together. So it makes things much easier. We have tried recording together a few times and it's actually a lot harder than just doing it the way we do it now. So yeah, if you don't have the right equipment and you're in the same room, it can be like really echoey and stuff. Karma Nicole asked us, what prompted you all to start a podcast? And then Emma Shmema, that's adorable. Can you see yourselves being lifelong F1 fans? We started podcast because all of a sudden we started talking about it a ton and we were talking about it with our friends and they kept asking us about F1. So we were like, okay, we keep telling everyone all of our opinions. We might as well just like start documenting this and sharing it. So it all came together very quickly and we will most certainly be lifelong F1 fans. The sport has a little bit of everything for everyone. And I think it's a really great sport to evolve with as you as you grow up. So we're really excited to continue this. Totally agree. All right, getting into the rest of the questions from Yvonne Vagram. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, this is a great question. If you could have any job in F1, what would it be? Oh, I feel like driver is the obvious one and it would be very cool to be a driver, but I think something that's maybe slightly more realistic for me, given I was an engineer and love data, would probably be like race day strategy or something like that, like Hannah Schmidt looking at data, making game time decisions. I think that would be a very stressful, but very cool position. You'd be good at that. Thank you. Hey, you'd be great at that. Yeah, I think it could be fun to just be Toto. Like day in the life of in the <laughs> life of Toto Wolf would be interesting, but I wouldn't enjoy only eating chicken breast and cooked vegetables or <laughs> whatever he said. If for those who haven't read, he has this New Yorker profile where he talks about his kind of day and routine and everything. He also talks about it in his Beyond the Grid interview from a couple weeks ago. And he basically says he likes to keep everything consistent, especially on race weekends. So he only eats basically chicken breast and vegetables. 
But I'm a lawyer, and so I have been super interested in all of this contract stuff and the stuff that went before the contract negotiations board and all of these disputes. So next time there is someone like Piastri who is trying to fight their way out of a contract, they can call me. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I would definitely be the logistics and operations queen. I think that would be so fun and just like dealing with getting everyone in the right place and organized on race weekends would be would be really fun. Love it. For the next one from Lily Dean's one, if you could change any law in F1, what would it be and why? This such is a such good a good one. question. Yes. <laughs> I love this. I think the overtaking rules are chronically debated and it's probably impossible to make them crystal clear, but sometimes it just seems like the rules aren't applied uniformly. So I think maybe making that just as clear as possible. Besides that, I think it would be kind of fun if there were specific rules for battery usage and if we knew, because you can tell when the battery from the power, from the hybrid components of the power unit is being recharged from the lights flashing on the back of the car, but you can't tell when it's being deployed. So I think that would be fun if there was some type of way to know um, how the battery power was being used. Also, just one mega weekend a year where everyone had to race in the same exact car yes that would be incredible i would live for that (laughs) like a world cup oh it could be the season finale and it could be double points or something wow and everyone's in maybe in formula two cars or something which are all spec cars made exactly the same so everyone in the exact same car that would be crazy wow i would love that for me it's not necessarily a rule change but i feel like this year we had a lot of confusion around the black and orange flag situation and it seemed very arbitrary. So I think that would be cool if they could document that a little bit better and have it be a little bit more specific. Hmm. Yeah, for me, I feel like it could be really cool to change the DRS rules a bit. Like DRS is super heavily deba- debated and I, I get why it exists. But I think maybe instead of like having DRS zones, it could be cool if drivers had like a certain amount of DRS time per race or a certain amount of like being able to use it and they could use it when they want and be strategic about it, I think it could add like a much more fun element to the whole DRS situation. Um, That that would be so much for the drivers to think about. I'm here for that. (laughs) Like an extra little layer. Yeah. Our next question from AJM loves kale, which driver runs the most entertaining social media to follow? I'm going to go with Botas for this one. I think he keeps it super real and it's fun to just see how active in other aspects of his life he is. So I love him. Yeah, Botas is a great one. I feel like Lando also posts some of the most like quote unquote real content of his life, like with his JPEG account and stuff like that. Like I like when driver you actually get a glimpse into a driver's life and not just what the PR team is posting. Um, but I also share a lot of Lewis's interests. So I love to see his music and surfing content. And of course, his New York content. He was posting about that again yesterday. He's like, I love New York. We we do too. <laughs> <laughs> I also love when he's in New York and he posts his, um, I think it must be his building in Tribeca, his elevator selfie when he's yes. on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> Going to his workout. <laughs> For me, like Tiki said, I love the JPEG accounts. So Danny started one too. And in particular, shout out to Danny recently for all of his New York content. It's really just fun and lighthearted. And I, yeah, love the JPEG accounts because like Tiki said, they're much less 
they're more of a vibe of kind of a be real versus what the PR team has edited and picked yeah. for you. <laughs> so diving into, we got a lot of questions about team principal stuff. So uh, from Mo Wirtz, Abby Rochlow, Ramika Strog, Vichelska. Um, I don't think everyone was expecting Silly Season Round 2, but everyone was asking about what went down, theories on why they're playing musical chairs, all that stuff. So just a quick high-level overview of the movements. Um, so it was announced on November 29th that Bonotto would be leaving Ferrari when this happened, there was a lot of speculation in the Italian media that it would be Fred Vassar. It basically seemed confirmed, but Ferrari then refuted it. Which then is on- hilarious because Ferrari had also said when it, there were so many rumors about Bonotto leaving, like three days before they announced it, Ferrari said, that's not true. Like why? Right. <laughs> they just want to be able to have like the first say on things. So I guess that's just what their PR team likes. <laughs> Then it was announced on December 12th that Joe Scapito would be leaving Williams. And then all of a sudden on Wednesday, last Wednesday on the 14th, a flurry of announcements came out. So Ferrari then officially announced Fred Vassar as their new team principal, meaning that he is leaving Alfa Romeo. So like we said, that was already widely rumored. So not a huge surprise. But the real shocker was McLaren. Then Andreas Seidel stepped down from team principal at McLaren to become the CEO of Alfa Romeo. Andrea Stella stepped up to fill his spot at McLaren as the new team principal. And just a quick background on Stella. So he is super well-respected in the sport. He started his career at Ferrari. He was a performance engineer for Michael Schumacher, Kimi Raikkonen. And then he was a race engineer for Kimi. And then he was also Alonso's race engineer, which is cool. Um, And then he joined McLaren in 2015, became racing director in 2019, and has sort of just worked his way up. But very highly respected in the sport. So I'm hoping for good things from him. Um, in terms of the unknowns, we still don't know who's taking Joe Scapito's spot at Williams and who the team principal of Alfa Romeo will be. So Seidel is the CEO, but that's usually separate from team principal duties. So what uh, do you yeah. think about this? Did you expect all these people to get fired or resign? I think they all probably were asked to leave. <laughs> yeah. The Benotto one was kind of expected, but I talk, well, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but he had been at Ferrari for so long, so I'm surprised they didn't just try to keep him in some other capacity. Like, now he's fully out. It's yeah, crazy. I'm curious what announcement will come in terms of, like, what he's doing next, if anything. Yeah, I'm not surprised about Bonotto. I'm also not surprised about Seidel. Like, I think that role for him, um, it's like CEO of Alfa Romeo probably, like, a step up and probably a promotion in terms of pay, in terms of title, like Audi's coming in. I think that's a really good move on his part. So not super surprised about that, but, and I guess like Williams has been underperforming too. So Joe Scapito probably had to say goodbye. So I guess in and of itself, like none of the moves are that surprising. It's just wild that they all happened at the same time. It was a lot to keep track of. Yeah. Tiggy, I totally agree with that. I think Joe also, he's been there for three years, I think, and Williams is just still puttering along at the back of the grid when I think there was supposed to be kind of a big reset and change after the Williams family left. It's kind of vindication for Claire Williams in a sense that they didn't have a big uptick in performance. And then same with McLaren. They've been promising a big kind of turnaround in form for years now. And I really like that they promoted someone from inside the organization who's going to have so much 
institutional knowledge about how everything works. So I'm excited to see what Stella can do in that role. Yeah, I, I do really hope that's true for him. There, I've seen a lot of debate and discourse about Benotto and how that was like actually kind of his downfall in Ferrari of how he was promoted from within, didn't have like a fresh look from the outside. Like there was a lot of politics going on. And when you're at a place for so long, I think it can be hard to like see things objectively maybe or like get stuff done that you would if you were just coming in fresh. Probably really depends on the organization, but I think that can actually be a double-edged sword. So speaking of the Williams principal position, there have been some rumors that maybe Susie Wolf will take it. We had a question from Lindsay M about how he would feel if that happened. I am so here for that. I would love a redemption arc for Williams with Susie at the helm, but I don't know how likely that is. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would be it would be like history making. It would be so cool. Um, I don't know. The the first place that my mind went to would be like, how would that work with Susie and Toto's like marriage and personal life and their kids and stuff? It'd be an interesting, <laughs> interesting problem to have. I love that idea. I hadn't thought about that, but now I hope it happens. The last female team principal on the grid was Claire Williams before the Williams family left the team. And I think Susie would be super good at the job. She's super qualified. She ran a Formula E team. She was a Williams test driver. So she definitely knows what she's doing and also knows the Williams organization. So Maybe I'll manifest that for her. <laughs> that would be amazing. So brings us to another great question from Carissa Ray of how do team principals get the job? Are there special requirements and what are their responsibilities? Like how much of a team's failure basically is because of a team principal or not? Well, kind of a lot. So they're the boss of the team. So the buck stops with them in terms of performance. It's a huge amount of responsibility. They're basically in charge of the constructor team, it's personnel, they make a lot of the day-to-day decisions that impact race weekends and just overall team performance. And another huge aspect of the job is to kind of serve as the face of the team for press, media, all that kind of coverage. So they're typically just hired employees of the team, but sometimes teams will work out certain arrangements with like governance and payout structures. A good example of this is Toto, who is also a substantial shareholder of the team besides just being team principal. And like we were saying before, there is actually no real requirements to be a a team principal. Some people can have an engineering background and like inside knowledge of how teams run. Sometimes it'll just run the gamut from being a former racer to more like a business type person. For example, Toto and Horner were both former drivers, but Binotto, he worked his way up in Ferrari. So he joined Ferrari in 1995. He stepped up into a similar, similar role on the race team. So he was on the test team then the race team, and then he was even CTO in 2016. So there's no really like set CV that you need to have. I think you just need to, yeah, whatever the team needs at the moment maybe and whatever is on your CV, it might it has to just match up. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at tacovas.com. 
for our next question from Emmy52684. This is a fun one. She said, I have a feeling Gazi Ocon might turn contentious thoughts, a turbulent history, dot, dot, dot. So before <laughs> we get into our thoughts on it, I want to do a quick rundown of their rumored history. So one of the reasons why it's so wild that they're both driving for a French constructor is they're both from Normandy, from nearby each other, and their families know each other really well because they were good friends when they were young and carted together, so their families would drive to events together and everything, but they had a feud as teenagers from racing incidents, basically from being such close rivals and competing for big karting titles, and more specifically, Gasly told Beyond the Grid a few years ago that in one World Karting Championship, he thought Ocon took him out just out of spite. And he said they respect each other and can talk now, but just not about racing. And <laughs> in it was funny because this is very publicly known. So Otmar was specifically asked by Motorsport about the feud. And he said that both drivers are professionals and hopefully they can be friends again. And interestingly, he sort of implied, not exactly, but he he kind of implied that they gave Esteban veto power in a sense, like that they really asked him whether he thought it would work, and he said yes. And hilariously, though, he also added to the media generally that he hoped that what they both said is true. So <laughs> we'll see. Otmar always stirring the pot. <laughs> so do we think it'll turn contentious? What do we think? I think as long as them as one of them is like clearly better in terms of performance, this won't really have legs to stand on. Like I think the team will have a easy way of like picking how things go on. But if they end up being really neck and neck, this is gonna be insane. But I have a feeling Gasly might shine here. I'm gonna go with yes, they're going to feud. I think this <laughs> I actually feel very strongly about this that they're not gonna get along. I think as we see up and down the grid, the dynamics of teammates is super hard to get along well, even if you like each other and don't have a past. And plus, Ogon has feuded with his past two teammates, Alonso and Checo, and he has a bit of a reputation as being a difficult teammate. So I think this is a bit of a disaster waiting to happen. Plus, I think <laughs> they'll probably be pretty even in terms of performance to start. Like, I don't think Gadsy's going to show up and just start massively outperforming him. So I think it's going to be a fight for number one driver. Yeah, I definitely agree on the performance thing. Like, I don't see Gasly showing up and outperforming Ocon right away, if like even potentially ever. Like, I think Ocon's a really good driver. He held his own against Alonso, and like Alonso had his own reliability issues and stuff. But Ocon's a really good driver, and Gasly is too. I think it's going to be pretty close in terms of performance. But that being said, I am hoping for the best. I do think, like Sarah said, teammates, regardless of what background you have, it's like, it's a contentious situation, but I am hopefully optimistic that there has been enough like damage control done and thought about that hopefully what went down in the past is water under the bridge. But yeah, I, I can see it definitely turning contentious. We'll see. So next question. Uh, we got this from Aaron Ozel and Taylor Bauman. Each of you create an F1 dream team from the 2022 grid, two drivers, team principal, and a car. Ooh, this is a good one. Definitely one driver's max, obviously. <laughs> and then I think I would do Charles in the second seat, but maybe George. Actually, now that I'm saying it, I kind of think George. 
I think I said as a hot take in the season recap that I think actually George might be a world champion before Charles. Yeah, I'm going to go with Max and George, Toto's team principal, and the Red Bull car from this year. <laughs> Mine's pretty similar, but like swap Max for Lewis. <laughs> so of maybe course. Lewis <laughs> and Charles. I was also thinking George too, but then it sounded lame to be like Mercedes with a different <laughs> car. <laughs> um, so I'll go with Lewis and Charles, Toto, of course, and yes, the Red Bull car. They're unstoppable in that with Toto at the helm. <laughs> okay, my dream team, it's just subjective because like what does dream really mean? I think for me, dream team would just be the most fun team, might not necessarily win, but it'll be Red Bull car, of course, but then with Russell and Checo and then Gunther as the team principal. <laughs> Don't really know how that would work. Um, okay, next question. Do you think F1 will grow fandom in the U.S.? This comes from Kate Stodds. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this, uh, I think, in a previous episode, but it has already been growing a ton, as we all know, and I think it will continue to do so. Um, Formula One is kind of on a rocket with Vegas, Miami, Austin, like three races next year. I think it's going to be a huge spectacle in the States, but like we said before, I think until there's an American driver who's just crushing it in, you know, a top or like top midfield team, I don't think it will necessarily be the same fervor as it is in other countries Good who point. have drivers and like really historical, amazing drivers. But I think we'll get there. I think it's just going to be a slower road. Definitely agree with that. I see it continuing to grow. I think Vegas especially. I think that's going to have like a month-long news cycle in the U.S. It's just going to be such a huge event. So definitely, yeah, continue to grow. But I don't think in the next few years we're going to see any kind of massive explosion beyond what we've seen. Someone actually said to me recently, which I thought was funny and interesting, was there could even be a little bit of a drop-off from people who were kind of casual fans post-Drive to Survive and have kind of lost interest. And there's so many big sports in the U.S. So that would be interesting if maybe some people were kind of captured for a moment but didn't get into it. But I think we're obviously biased. But since it's the best sport and is so <laughs> enthralling, I'm assuming most of those people are going to stick with it. Yeah, I think where there's untapped fan potential and then an absurd amount of money to throw at it, we will continue to see growth. Whether it's artificial or just like more organic, we'll have to see. But we'll definitely see a lot coming out of this. For our next question, new fan here. Any tips, suggestions, or advice related to being an F1 fan? This comes from DG Huertas. Okay, of course, the best, the best tip for any new fans is to listen to our podcast. But um, I think the best thing is just don't be afraid to dive in. Every season is fully a blank slate and so fun to learn as you go. <laughs> so there's never a wrong or right time to start. And like, you mentioned this a lot to us, which I think is so true, is like there's a spectrum of F1 and there's something for everyone. So it, it's not too hard. Yeah. I was going to say something along those lines. Like it's, there is a facet for this sport for every single person and there's no like wrong thing or wrong reason to be into formula one. Like whether you're into it for the technical pieces or like the racing excitement or even the like drama of the drivers and the paddock, like none of that is a wrong reason to be into the sport. So Find what you love, find what makes it fun for you. And there is not a shortage of opportunities to dig into all of that, whether that's Instagram or Twitter or podcasts, like there's so many media outlets. So just find what you love, keep it fun. 
um, and find some friends to who are into it as well and to talk with. And even if those people aren't like friends in your, you know, normal day to day life, like there are a lot of Discord communities like ours where people have found friends, or like meeting people online who are super into Formula One. Like it's a great way to make new friends as well. Definitely. And we have a uh, a highlight on our Instagram that says start here and that has our starter pack episode and an intro episode on the regs. So that could be a good place to start for some of the basic rules, but definitely retweet all of that. And just a shout out to you to Autosport and Motorsport. They're kind of in the same family of publications and the race are really great outlets. They have websites, podcasts, their journalists are in the paddock and have great Twitter accounts and we'll do breaking news. So I think that is a good place to start. F1 Twitter is a really fun little niche. I cannot speak to what Twitter is like generally, but on our podcast, we just. (laughs) (laughs) It's a funny time to be speaking about this. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. What were the results of the polls? I think it was 57 and a half percent said they would like him to step down. So for anyone who did not see this, Elon Musk, who has taken over Twitter, posted a poll on his Twitter account that said, I will abide by the results of this poll. Do you want me to step down from Twitter? Yes or no. And apparently over half voted in favor of yes, please step down. So uncertainty on what the future holds. Little chaos. Can I just woke up waking up and posting an Instagram poll like, should I leave my job? What do you think? <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts, but I will save them for <laughs> when we start like a technology Elon Musk podcast. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, F1 Twitter is a nice little niche where you can find a lot of journalists and former team employees who are commentators now and other kind of commentators in the F1 space and you can get a lot of really breaking news, interesting stuff on there. So we have a Twitter and just kind of follow those sorts of accounts and definitely recommend that as well. So other question that kind of goes with news that was recently announced, Mick Schumacher is going to be the reserve driver for Mercedes. So a question about our thoughts on this comes from Maria Luis Diaz, O2. So what do we think? This was only just announced on Thursday. I love it. I'm happy for him. I think it's a very nice step in terms of, you know, the uncertainty of Mick's future and Mercedes, I feel like has always been good to Mick. So I think it's a really exciting announcement in terms of like, do I think Mick is going to have a Mercedes seat anytime soon? No, Mm, but I think it's, it's a good place for him to sort of survey the scene, cool his heels, get some good like testing time in or whatever, you know, practice and stuff like that. So I think it's a good move for him. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm a big Mick fan. As we all know from me, I feel like doing hot take manifestation every single week for like making the points. (laughs) Um, But I'm happy for this. I think totally agree with Tiggy. This isn't queuing him up to be a Mercedes driver, but I think it'll keep him really visible in the paddock and having Toto and Mercedes behind him will really help with getting him a seat next year. So I am super excited for that. Next question. If you were in an F1 team, who would you select as your teammate from Ellie Belly? I think I've got more of a George fan recently, but I think George, I think he seems like he'd be fun, but also 
professional and also an amazing driver. So would, I think, overall be be good to have. I want Lando as my teammate. I think it would be so fun. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Uh, everyone knows my answer to the list. Lewis, Lewis, be my teammate any day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for that. It would be a great duo, Diggy. Okay, so strictly Endgame, would you ever go to the new F1 arcade in London? I've heard many great things about it. I looked that up after we got that question, and it looks so fun. We would absolutely go next time we are over there. I was literally there last week, and I didn't know about this, and I'm so sad. I would have gone. I would have dragged my mother there with me. It looks awesome. We'll do a little for the girls meet up there someday when we all go to Silverstone. (laughs) If you could go back in time, which racer would you have liked to see race in their prime? This one comes from just Petty's. Sorry if I said that wrong. For me, I would have loved to see Senna race in their prime. And then I know maybe not necessarily his prime, but Vettel, like right at the beginning, I think would have been really cool as well. Or also Vettel when he was with like 2011, 2014, when he was winning titles with Red Bull, that would be cool. Yeah. 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 I think any of the former world champions would have been cool to see them actually like racing in their prime, like Vettel, Alonso, um, all those. For me, I think there are a couple. Elaine Prost would have been really awesome. I think Jim Clark would have been so cool to witness. That was a super cool era of F1, like in the 60s. And he was a legend. Like he also competed in Indy and raced touring cars while he was an F1 driver. So I think that would have been a really cool era to to witness. For me, Schumacher, I think that would be amazing to see the Ferrari glory days. Yeah, that would have been incredible. So just quickly hitting on a couple questions we got that we have either answered before or spoken about in previous episodes. So how do they logistically move all the stuff from place to place for a race? We did a big logistics deep dive in our Spanish Grand Prix preview episode for May 18th this past year. So check that out if you're interested in logistics. What are your 2023 predictions? At the end of our season recap episode from December 1st, we discuss our hot takes, predictions for 2023. We also got the question, which we talked about in this episode too, do you think Daniel can come back to F1? So also tune into our season recap for our thoughts on that. Did you ever go to an F1 race? Yes, we have been to Austin and Mexico. Check out our Mexico GP recap from November 1st to hear all about that experience. What's the process for getting tickets to a race? Um, We answered that in our first Ask Us Anything episode. So check that out as well. So let's jump into some other news. We had some amazing coverage last week of Nico Hamilton's time in the sim with Mercedes. So Lewis posted on Instagram last week that he and his brother Nico had asked Mercedes if they could make Nico's dream of experiencing an F1 car come true. Nico has cerebral palsy and currently competes in the British Touring Car Championship in a specially modified car, which makes it really possible for him to drive in his condition. So Nico spent some time in the sim with Mercedes. This is the first ever disabled person to have done that. It was really awesome to see. It was very heartwarming um, just to see Lewis out here continuing to improve the whole entire like system nuts to bolts for everyone who hasn't traditionally had a chance. And it was great to see it be his brother as well. It was really cool. Yeah, I loved watching that. And a few other news items. Aston Martin is the first team that announced the unveiling of their new car, which will happen February 13th at the nice new Silverstone facility, courtesy of Lawrence Stroll. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) 
Ford is also rumored to be in talks to partner with Red Bull from 2026 onwards on the power unit division. Seems like it's just maybe very early stage rumors, but that would be very cool to have the most iconic American manufacturer in a power unit division in F1. I would love that. And other exciting news, the new F1 women's feeder series is in motion. Five teams have already signed up and they all already race in junior categories like F2 and F3. And each team will run three cars to make up a grid of 15 drivers. And the inaugural season will be next year, which is super exciting. Again, we've talked about this before, but the idea for the series is that it's supposed to target women who are a bit younger or girls, really, who are younger than the W Series drivers. So more in line with kind of an F4 type vibe where they could progress into F3 and then F2. And then last piece of news before we wrap up, the Andretti family is still working on getting their foot in the door at F1. Michael, who is Mario's son, said they were hoping for a final decision in the next couple of weeks and that, it quote, it would sure be a nice Christmas present. So it's just a long time coming <laughs> for them. Yeah, a little refresher on the timeline. So October 2021, they tried to buy Sauber, but that fell through. February 2022, they applied to the FIA to be the 11th team. In May, after silence from the FIA, they tried to push their agenda again at the Miami Grand Prix. Then in August of this year, they announced a new $200 million racing facility that will open in 2025 to support future racing initiatives. Then in September, Michael says they have made good progress at the same time. Domenicali says they don't need an 11th team. Um, And then other teams, I think, have also sort of said or hinted that they don't really want an 11th because it cuts into their profits. And then December statement that things are going very well and that they are proceeding as if they will have a team in 2024. So it's a roller coaster over here for the Andretti's. But (laughs) what do you guys think? (laughs) I mean, let's just wrap this up. Like we need a yes or no decision. These poor people have been knocking for for months. (laughs) Years even. I I want them to get it. I There have been a, more teams and drivers in F1 in the past. There used to be way more cars on the grid, which I think would be too chaotic. But I think having an 11th team, having a really famous American racing family would be awesome for the sport. I think they would probably have facilities in the United States, maybe more American drivers. I would be super here for that. That would be awesome. And we will leave you with one final question from Big Walt Diesel. Is it March yet? (laughs) Sadly not, but we are absolutely counting down. In the meantime, hope you all have been enjoying hearing the perspectives of women in the sport in the recent interviews we did with the wonderful Claire Sibley and Christina Emanuelides. We will have more coming for you. But in the meantime, have a very, very happy holiday season, and we will catch you on the other side in 2023, that much closer to the new season. 